Hey, everyone. What you just saw is the reason that we're saying now is the time to reach the next generation. Now is the time. And what a, what a phenomenal testimony. Also, just to notice, just if you don't notice, I'm wearing jeans and some youthful shoes. So I'm doing my best to reach the next generation. Although they are now thinking, why is that old guy wearing jeans and the, okay, but uh, some of you might know my wife uh, tricked me into going shopping. You might have seen that on social media. And it was actually for me, and she bought me five pair of these uh, youthful shoes. And then last weekend, I preached at Gateway at the four o'clock. And then on Sunday morning, I flew to Tulsa, where there's a young, great young pastor named Michael Todd. And I preached for him. And he bought me some white tennis shoes <laughs> and, uh, and asked me if I would preach in them. And so that kind of went viral. And then uh, I also two weeks ago preached for Craig Groeschel, and he showed the message last weekend. So there was this social media confusion because I was preaching at three churches last weekend. Uh, but I figured, so just so you know, if you ever see me preaching in more than one church, it's four words, technology. That's what I've been told. So let me tell you something else that was cool about last weekend. You know, we have three grown and married children. Uh, all of them are in ministry, spouses in ministry. But I was preaching last weekend. Josh, my oldest son, was preaching at Table Church where he, that he planted a year ago in Austin, uh, James was preaching at a sister church in Longview, Texas, and Elaine was preaching at Gateway Church in Houston. So all my kids were preaching last weekend, so I thought it was pretty cool. So we, we have, now is the time, we're beginning this, it's a capital campaign. We want all of you to make commitments for two years, whatever God tells you, no pressure, uh, other than we need $180 million, no pressure. Largest building campaign ever done in America by a church but no pressure because God will take care of everything, okay? But we, we did a vision room. Now we've done a, a now is the time booth at every campus, but there's a vision room at the Southlake campus and we're doing things at every campus, but we're having to do some things here. And I explained a little bit to you, but I asked Thomas to give us a, a little tour, just go out to the vision room, give us a little tour. So I'm gonna pitch it to Thomas so you can see the tour. So Thomas, pick it up there. Hi, Pastor Robert. Hey, everyone. We're so excited about our new Now is the Time vision room here at our Southlake campus. So come on in with me. I'd like to show you around real quickly. If you look over here to your left, you'll see that we have what we call a memory wall, where we have four screens, each about five years each, over the last 20 years at Gateway Church. You can come up, press the screen, find a video, press the video, hear the sound actually under this cone. You've heard of the cone of silence. This is the cone of sound. Anyway, you can come this way and you can see that we also have a miracle wall that kind of just talks about some of the things that have happened at Gateway Church over the last 20 years, some miracles. Actually, if you look here, more than $107 million has been given to missions over the last 20 years. Another great statistic, over 58,000 people have made decisions for Christ at Gateway Church over the last 20 years. Praise God for that. And if you come over here, you'll see we have kiosks for every one of our current campuses. Southlake kiosk here, you can kind of 
peruse through that, find out more information about that. North Richland Hills, our Frisco campus, North Fort Worth campus. Here in the middle, you'll see that we have a Dallas campus and Frisco campus rendering. Dallas campus, you're getting a whole new exterior remodel as well as a lobby interior remodel. At Frisco, a brand new 1,200-seat auditorium and also remodeled student area. It's going to be fantastic. Grand Prairie, new parking lot area, as well as a reimagined children's space. At all of our campuses, we're getting a brand new remodeled, reimagined children's area. It's going to be amazing. Our Dallas campus, our Jackson Hole campus, we've completed phase one. We're right at the end of completing phase one, a remodel there. We're starting phase two in our auditorium soon at Jackson Hole. Obviously, we're going to continue to expand. We have four campuses. We just launched our fourth prison campus just a couple weeks ago. We have our Cofield campus, Sanders Estes, Lindsay, and our brand new, as of two weeks ago, Choice Moore prison campus. Welcome, guys. We're so glad to have you with us. And then if you look over here, this is our architectural model of our Southlake campus. You can see here our existing auditorium, our existing children's building, but all of the rest of this is brand new. You can see here we have a new chapel, a new smaller chapel that seats 200, or you can go to a larger chapel that seats 700. This will be for weddings, uh, for memorial events, other type of special events we can host here in these chapels, as well as an event center that seats 700 people. We have a new lifestyle center for our community, as well as for our gateway members. We have a, a new student section that has a 700-seat auditorium for both our students and our young adults, a brand-new 1,000-seat auditorium, a brand-new food court here at Southlake, as well as new classroom spaces. We needed classrooms here at Southlake. We have new classrooms coming. So you need to come check us out here in our vision room, our Now is the Time vision room. We're so excited about it. We do have Now is the Time booths at all of our campuses, but I want to encourage all of, all of the campuses, come over and check us out. We're open through the week as well as on the weekend. So if you can't come during the week, come on the weekends to one of our services here at Southlake and check out our new Now is the Time vision room because now is the time to reach our communities and to reach the next generation. Back to you, Pastor Robert. Isn't that cool? So, so you can check it out. It's right out here if you're at the Southlake campus. Again, if you're another campus, go by the vision. Now is the time booth. But come to the Southlake campus. Come to one of the weekend services if you want. See what all we're doing. Um, I, I was just wondering, Thomas uh, made a joke there about the cone of silence. How many of you got that joke? Maxwell Smart. Okay, never mind. So I, I've heard you, that it will also dry your hair. So it's, you know, I don't know. So, um, but it's, uh, anyway, it is fantastic. It's open after every service. It's really cool to see what God's doing. And I, I want you to understand the only reason that we would build more and start more campuses is because we have to reach more people. We have to. Uh, we got an email this last week, very nice email. Uh, I think it was the week before, actually, the guy just said, why are we building so much instead of starting new campuses? It's a great question, and let me answer it. It is not instead of starting new campuses. It is also starting new campuses. And so we've got to do both. We've got to improve our campuses. We've got to make some vast improvements at the Southlake campus because we have a 4,000-seat sanctuary and then 200-seat classrooms. We have nothing for our youth, nothing in between. We don't have event, an event center, the food court like we want to, the uh, wedding chapels, also for memorials. So we've got to do a lot here. 
So that's one of the reasons that we're doing what we're doing, okay? All right, so we are in a series called The Blessed Life. You may have heard this series before, but every time I promise you God's gonna speak something new. It's been five years since I did it. So the, the title of this message, um, the, where I need to tell you where I got this title. Uh, well, I got this title because I used to say this a lot when I was in school. The title of this message is, what test? (laughs) Can anyone relate to that? You walk in the classroom, everyone's got their books out, they're all studying, and they say, are you ready for the, are you ready? And you say, for what? They say, for the test. And you say, what? "What?" Yeah, I didn't do well in school. I am proud of myself though. I graduated in the top 10% of the lower one third of my graduating class. So very pleased about that. All right, so I wanna start at uh, uh, Malachi three, but before I explain this and we'll go through it and explain it and talk about it, um, I I wanna uh, let you know when I say what test, many believers don't realize that God designed a test and you take it every time you get paid. And the test is, whom are you going to thank for your income? And whom are you going to worship for your income? So let's take a little, a little poll here. You can just raise your hands, all the campuses. How many of you get paid once a month? Gonna see your hands? Okay, this next one probably the majority. How many of you get paid twice a month? Kind of see your hands, okay? How many of you get paid once a week? Okay, how many of you never get paid? Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but if you get paid, you take a test. The test is, what are you going to do with the first 10%? And a preacher did not come up with this test. You need to know that. God, who cannot change, came up with this test. And this test, by the way, was before the law and after the law and in the New Testament. The reason I have to say that is because most people who don't tithe, they're not bad people. They're not bad people. They simply believe that it was Old Testament or that it was under the law. There's a real problem with believing, well, since it's under the law, then there's no reason for us to do it now because there are principles that were under the law that you should be doing right now. (laughs) Not committing adultery was under the law, but that's still a principle even if you're saved by grace. Everyone agree with that? Hello? Goodness gracious, I didn't, think you had to, I didn't think you had to think about it that long. Okay. So I'm going to read in Malachi 3, but I've got to make comments. Most of the time I'll read the passage and make comments, but I've got to make some comments in the passage, okay? So we'll, we'll, we'll stop quite a few times and talk about it. Malachi 3, verse 6, verse, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Now I just want to clarify does the Lord change? <laughs> no. He, the reason he can't change 
It's because if he could change, he could get better, and he can't get better because he's perfect. So he can't change. His personhood can't change. His character cannot change. Now, the next part of this verse is actually funny, but most people don't understand it as being funny, but it is. This is what he says. I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. (laughs) Here's what he's saying. So I haven't killed you. I'm the Lord, I don't change, and I'm good, and I'm merciful. That's why you're not dead. That's what he's saying. Therefore, you're not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet, from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances, and have not kept them. Now, let me, let me stop for a moment and explain what an ordinance is. Again, you can figure out the meanings or the roots of most words if you think about it. Ordinance. The root is ordinary. An ordinance is a principle of ordinary behavior. That's what an ordinance is. Uh, In other words, the city where you live might send you um, uh, a notice to cut your grass because they made an ordinance that mowing your yard is a principle of ordinary behavior for people who live in that city. Does everyone follow me? So here's what God is saying. You keep going away from my principles of ordinary behavior for my children. You have to catch this because not stealing was under the law, but it's a principle of ordinary behavior for believers. Not lying was under the law, but that's a principle of ordinary behavior for believers. Tithing was under the law, but that is a principle of ordinary behavior for believers. Are are y'all following? Are are you mad because I'm preaching on this? Because you just look kind of, you know, like, I just wish I hadn't come this week. Okay, let's just, let's just. We'll just laugh about it, all right? And then you can get convicted at the end of the message, okay? All right. You have gone away from, since the days of your fathers, from my ordinary principles, and have not kept them. And I know we're talking about tithing because that's the whole context of this passage. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Now, I I underline that every time that passage because I want to remind you this is God talking. And this is the God talking, listen, who cannot change. So he can't change this part of himself. But you said, in what way shall we return? Now watch this. This is God speaking. Will a man rob God? Now a preacher did not make this up. God said this. The God who cannot change. Are, 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 y'all, are, you, are you mad at me, really, or are you following me? Okay. You ought to be laughing a little bit like, oh, I'm in trouble. Okay. <laughs> the God who cannot change said you have been robbing me. This is an ordinary principle for my kids. It's ordinary for you to thank me for my income because without me, you wouldn't have any income. It's an ordinary principle for you to do this. Will a man rob God, yet you've robbed me? But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes 
and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. Now, let me stop for a minute. He didn't say, I'm cursing you. But we live in a cursed world. What he's saying is you're putting yourself back under the curse system because you're not doing what my people should be doing. So now you're, you're, you're under a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. By the way, it's the fourth time he uses this robbed. There is a difference by, between theft and robbery. Theft is when you take something from the person and the person's not home. Robbery is when you take something from the person himself. God, I looked this word up to make sure it wasn't stealing, it was robbery. God said, you have actually come into my house and taken money out of my pockets. You've robbed me because I've set this aside for my house. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's pretty clear. The storehouse obviously is the church. That there may be food in my house. Okay, let's stop for a minute. One of the number one um, blessings that I hear about Gateway Church is people say we get fed spiritually. Do you agree? We're fed. Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you something because I'm not preaching on this because uh, you're doing bad in this area. You're doing fantastic, but some of you don't know. Some of you have been taught that's Old Testament or that's under the law. I don't need to do it. And you're actually, you're hurting yourself. So the only reason I'm preaching on this is to help you, okay? You, but let me tell you how great you're doing. You, and I, please, 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 we're not trying to compare ourselves with other churches, but we're the highest tithing church in America by twice as much. Twice as much. And there's food in our house. And in every tithing church, there's food. Because there are a lot of preachers and pastors who are putting out good food. But I'm telling you, we hear it constantly. Well, I love going to Gateway because I get fed. He said, bring the tithe in and there'll be plenty of food. Are y'all following me? This is good stuff. This is really good stuff. If you don't know, this is good stuff. And then he says, and try me now in, in this. Now, this word try in some versions is the word test or prove. It is the same word used for testing metal or gold to see if it's pure. Here's what God says. Test me and see if I'm pure in this area. Give me 10%, bring 10% to the house of God and see if I'm pure in this area. By the way, this is the only place in the Bible where God gives you permission to test him. Where he literally says, test. Go ahead, test me. And watch what he says will happen if you'll test him in this. Says the Lord of hosts. We'll just make sure you remember who's talking. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not even be room enough to receive it. And, and, that's kind of like if you call right now. <laughs> and... I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Would it be all right with you if God rebuked the devil for you? Okay, listen to me. It costs 10%. <laughs> and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. He wants to keep reminding you he's one talking here. 
and all nations will call you blessed or a blessed life. (laughs) God was endorsing my book there. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Who's talking? Who was talking to Malachi? Can God change? No. Okay, but the biggest thing I hear is, well, that's in the Old Testament. So I was talking to the Lord one time about that. And I said, Lord, I'm I'm trying to help people in this area. I'm not trying to raise money for the church. I'm trying to help people. But they just keep, they keep saying to me, well, that's in the Old Testament. That's in the Old Testament. Okay, this is in Malachi 3. The, uh, the um, um, 6 through the 12th verse. There are 16 verses in, so just four more verses in 3. And then, uh, sorry, six more verses. Then there are six more verses in um, um, uh, 4, chapter 4. So I told the Lord, and then Matthew 1. So I told the Lord, Lord, couldn't you have just waited? Just 12 verses. Now I realize it's 400 years, but just 12 verses. Why couldn't you put this in the New Testament? Here's what he said to me. I put it right where I wanted it. Because this is point number one. Tithing is a test. He's testing you. Every time you get paid, he says you. By the way, it is in the New Testament. And I'm going to show it to you. Okay, so it is in the New Testament, and I'll show it to you, but it's a test. So the, the word tithe means a tenth. The number 10 represents testing in Scripture. So I'm going to ask you some questions, and you can answer me out loud. Okay, I want all the kids, I want you to answer me loudly. I want you to say it real nice and loudly, because I want to show you that 10 is a test in the Bible, all right? Here's the first question. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. Ten. Okay, now here's what I could have said. How many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? That's what the Bible says. But you might not have known, but we all know 10 plates. So that's, God was testing Pharaoh's heart. All right, how many commandments are there? 10. Ten. So that was when God, that's how God tests us. It represents 10. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you another question. You might not know the answer, but there's a pattern here. Okay. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? That's in Numbers 14, by the way, if you want to know. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Okay, you need to say it louder. How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? How many days of testing were mentioned in Revelation chapter 2? How many disciples were there? No, there were 12. I just, I just, I just tested you. Tithing is not only a a test for you, it's a test for God. We just read that. God said, you can test me. Tithing is a two-way test. Think about this. Here's what God is saying to Malachi. Test me, I dare you. I dare you. But again, people say, well, that's Old Testament, or they say that's under the law. I just want to show you how ridiculous that is, that because it was bad under the law, like stealing, or committing adultery, it's okay now for believers. Or because it was good under the law, like tithing, now it's bad. That's ridiculous. I'll show you a few scriptures in a moment where tithing was 500 years before the law. 500 years before. I'll show you next week that it was 2,500 years before the law. I can even show you tithing in the Garden of Eden. 
So it's all through scripture. But I just want to show you how it's stupid. It's really foolish to say, well, if it was under the law, you know, we don't have to worry about it anymore because we're, we're under grace. We are under grace, but that doesn't mean since you're under grace, you go around doing stuff that, that was bad under the law. So let me give you an example. So Thomas, you're back in here now. Um, let, give me your wallet. Come on, just give me your wallet. Thanks. Okay, I'm going to keep this. Because stealing, see, thou shalt not steal, was under the law. Is that right? Is that, was thou shalt not steal under the law. And I'm not under the law, I'm a believer, right? So I can keep this. That's foolishness, right? Isn't that foolishness? All right, so I'll give you back your wallet here. There's not even any money in it. No money at all. That's crazy. I mean, you know, I just, I just thought I'd look and see if there was any money in there. Well, what'd you do? No, come on now, everyone. What did you do? What did you do? You took your money out? I tell him before the service, I'm going to do this illustration. And he takes us. I'll get you back. All right. So tithing is a test. Here's number two. Tithing is biblical. A lot of people don't think it's biblical. They don't think it's scriptural. They think there's one reference in Malachi 3. So I'm just going to show you a few. I don't have time to show you all. Tithing, by the way, the word tithe is in the Bible 41 times. Over half of those times, it's not, refer- it's not in the law. The law is Leviticus and Deuteronomy, but I'm going to throw numbers in there for you just to help you, okay? Leviticus means the law, Levitical law. That's Leviticus, Levitical law, the law of the Levites, okay? Deuteronomy means the second law, the law second time. So, uh, and numbers means one, two, three, four, no, I'm just kidding. So, all right, but anyway, I'm, I'll throw Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Tie, the word ties in the Bible 41 times. Over half of them are not in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And eight of them, eight times it's in the Bible, are in the New Testament. And one of them is in red. And I'll show it to you. And Jesus said it. So, all right, so let me show you a few. This is 500 years before the law. Genesis 14, verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, Melchizedek obviously represents Jesus. Hebrews tells us that. Brought out bread and wine. There's communion right there. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him, that's Abraham, or Abram was his name at the time. And said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And God's the possessor of heaven and earth, not Abram, by the way. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies in your hand. And he, that's Abraham, gave him, that's Melchizedek, a tithe of all. Now you explain, I, lo- I would love, I'd love it. I'll, I'll accept the email. I'd love for you to explain that theologically to me. 500 years before the law. And let me explain it to you theologically. It's because murder was wrong before the law was ever written. It was wrong for Abel to kill Cain before the law was written. And tithing was right before the law was written. Here's 420 years before the law. Genesis 28. Jacob, and this is this stone which I've set up shall be a pillar as a pillar shall be God's house. 
And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. 400 years before the law. Leviticus 27, and of all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy or set apart to the Lord. Deuteronomy 26, verse 1, and it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as inheritance. That's where we are right now. We've come into the promised land. The promised land, by the way, is not heaven. It's the overcoming Christian life because there were still enemies in the promised land. There aren't any enemies in heaven. When you come into the land which the Lord's given you, in other words, when you get saved and you possess it and dwell in it, then you shall take some of the first, this is referring to the tithe, I'll show you that next week, first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall put it in a basket. Now watch what you're supposed to do with the tithe. And I'll show you in a minute that this actually calls it tithe, okay? And go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. That's church. There it is right there. Go to the place where the God chooses to make his name abide. And then let me show you again, just a few verses down, how we know it's the tithe. Deuteronomy 26, verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and have given it then to the Levite stranger, fatherless and widow. That was the way you were to give it then through the church. According to all your commandments, which you have commanded me, I've not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I've not eaten any of it when in mourning, any of the tithe, nor have I removed any of it for any unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I've obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I've done according to all that you've commanded me. Now, this is what you can pray if you tithe. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. See how clear that is? Here's what he said. I've removed the holy tithe from my bank account and I've taken it to your bank account. I've removed it from my house and I've taken it to the house where you choose to make your name abide. All right, now we're gonna go to New Testament. Now, before I read you the scripture, um, I wanna ask you a question. I want you to answer me out loud all the Kansas. If Jesus himself said you ought to tithe, would you tithe? Okay, now did all of you say yes? (laughs) Now I want you to, again, I'm trying to make light of a, a very heavy subject, I understand that. But what is amazing is that some of us have to think about it. And we stand in worship and say, I give you everything, but not 10%. That's really what we do. I'll give you everything, God, but not 10%. And I, I just asked your question, if Jesus, see, you knew I was setting you up. That's why some of you didn't say yes. <laughs> and you remembered Ananias and Sapphira. You didn't want to lie in church. <laughs> But think about it. You don't have to answer out loud. Think about it in your heart. If the one who bled and died for your eternal salvation said to you, you ought to tithe, would you do it? Would you like to see it? It's in red. That means Jesus said it. Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. For you pay tithe on mint 
anise and cumin. Those are spices that you put on your food. And have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Okay, he said, you give tithes on everything, but you neglect this. Then he says, you ought to do this. You ought to tithe on everything, but don't leave the others undone. <laughs> Let me say it again. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> said, you tithe on all everything, but you neglect justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to do. You ought to tithe on everything, but don't leave this undone. Okay, now, one time I shared that in church, a guy, very, very nice, said to me, I think these you ought to have done refer to justice, mercy, and faith. I said, okay, grammatically it doesn't. In the Greek, it doesn't, and I did take Greek. And got a good grade, by the way. And I don't know how much Greek you've had. But but I'm going to go with you. I said, I'll go with you. If these you ought to have done refer to justice, mercy, and faith, what does the rest of the verse say? Without leaving the other undone. I got you either way. (laughs) Either way you want to interpret that verse. Jesus said, you ought to do it, and that's either referring to tithing or if that's referring to justice, mercy, and faith, then he said, but don't leave the other undone and tithe on everything. Come on, come on. That was good. I got you. And the only reason, the only reason I want to get you is because I want to help you. I don't want you to live under a curse. I want you to live under open heavens with the devourer rebuked and blessed. That's what the Bible says. And I'll show you something else that will totally shock you, a New Testament scripture on tithing. Hebrews 7, verse 8 says, Here mortal men receives tithes, but there he, capital H, Jesus. This is talking about Jesus. Whole passage, go back and read it. So about Melchizedek, that Jesus is the Melchizedek because he doesn't have a no, no beginning of days, no end of days. <laughs> He's the king of Salem, which is peace, and the king of righteousness. So we know who that is. Watch. But there he receives them, watch this, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. The New Testament tells me that Jesus himself receives my tithes. You know what else it tells me? That tithing is a witness to the resurrection. That Jesus is still alive because he's receiving my tithes. That's New Testament. New Testament. Now, I've been in the ministry. This will be my 40th year of the ministry. I'm I'm just beginning my 40th year. Okay. Um, The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I've heard two testimonies for 40 years now. They're, both, they're the same. One of them's from tithers, one's from non-tithers. All tithers say to me, 
I am so blessed. Uh, we are so blessed. When we begin tithing, not everything's perfect. Yes, we go through difficulties, but we're so blessed. They all say it. All non-tithers say the same thing. I can't afford to tithe. Listen to me. You're, again, you're not a bad person. You're not a bad person if you struggle in this area. Please hear me, though. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Think about it. Because tithing removes the curse, rebukes the devourer, and restores the blessing. Let me say it again. It removes the curse. This is for you young pastors. If you'd like a three-point sermon, then it all be, they all be given ours. It's perfect for you. You can preach this next week somewhere if you want. Removes the curse, rebukes the devourer, restores the blessing. And that's all from Malachi 3. Okay. All right, here's number three, and then we're finished. Tithing is personal. Now, this is going to shock you. Tithing is personal to God. He takes it more personally than you could ever imagine. And I want to give you an example, okay, to help you. Um, Nathan and Thomas and Mike, will you all stand up? And just scoot, gather, scoot to where you can be closer. And Thomas, um, since you did that thing with your money, would you stand on the end there, <laughs> on the other end? Yeah, because I want you to play that part, okay? Okay, so let's just say that I say, uh, guys, I'm going away for a while. And it'll be uh, several months. And I've provided for Debbie, but I'd like to provide some extra for her. And I'm going to do it through the three of you. Um, and, I'm, and I also just want to bless you. I just want to bless you three guys. So I'm going to give you each $10,000 a month. Okay? Nathan, this is just an analogy. Okay, this is just an example. Okay. Um, so, I, I, but... The condition is you have to give my wife 10%, $1,000. But you can do anything you want with the other, anything at all. I just want to bless you guys. But I want to f- channel some resources through you to her. Now, I've already provided for her because even if you don't do it, I'm, I, I, you know, manna from heaven. If I was God, manna from heaven, is that right? So you got to understand, you're not, God can take care of the church without you. He's just trying to bless you. <laughs> so, after, you know, every day I talk to Debbie and then I start thinking about it and I start wondering, well, what's going on, you know, with these three guys? So I say, well, what, well how's Mike doing? She says, he sends $1,000 first of every month, January 1st, February 1st, March 1st, $1,000. I say, what about Nathan? He's sending 2000 <laughs> Where'd he go? <laughs> I say, what? I, I only told him 1000 I don't know why he sends 2000 a month. You know, some people do that. And I say, well, what about Thomas? She says, well, we need, we need to talk about Thomas. <laughs> I told you I'd get you back. Okay. I said, what do you mean we need to talk about Thomas? Well, the first month he sent 700. The second month he sent 300. And last month he didn't send anything. <laughs> okay, you all be seated. Okay, now let's just think about this if this was for real. How do you think I feel about Thomas right now? It's personal to me. It's my wife. I didn't have to give him any money. I was trying to bless him. 
Are y'all following me? I was just asking for 10%, and he could keep the 90. I tell you what I am going to do, though. I'm not sending Thomas a dime more, nothing, because I can't trust him. But I'm going to take what I've given him and give it to Mike and Nathan. And if you don't think Jesus would do that, read the parable of the talents. He will do that. And if you don't think that this analogy is truer than you are thinking right now, isn't the church the bride of Christ? I'm telling you that tithing is more personal to God than you think it is. Now, one last thing. God said, you're robbing me. But God owns everything. Is God actually trying to provide for the church with our giving? Or is he trying to provide for us? And teach us to trust him. I want you to think about that. (laughs) When he said you're robbing me, is he having difficulty paying the light bill in heaven? Is he running out of asphalt, which is gold? No. You know what he's saying? Please hear this. I've thought about this a lot. He said, you are robbing me of the opportunity to bless you. Read the context again of Malachi 3. He said, you're robbing me from what I want to do for you. I want to open the windows of heaven over you. I want to rebuke the devourer for you. And I want for you to be blessed, but you're robbing me from that opportunity. Because you won't do what's ordinary for my people to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Some of you are tithers. You've been tithers for years. This should, you should just look at this and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that you gave me this revelation. I look back on how you've opened the windows over me and how you've rebuked the devourer. And the Lord's rebuked the devourer sometimes when you didn't even know it. So you just say, thank you, Lord. Some of you struggled in this area. I want you to know Satan's been lying to you. He doesn't want you out from under a curse. He doesn't want you blessed. He doesn't want to be rebuked away from you. He doesn't want windows of heaven open for you. So you could be blessed, your family could be blessed, and you could be a blessing. He doesn't want that for you. So he tells you, that's in the Old Testament. That was under the law. He tells you all these things instead of, that's an eternal principle from an eternal God who cannot change. We want to pray for you. No matter what you're going through, we want to pray for you today may not even be related to the message today. But if you need prayer for any area of your life, but it may be especially in this area, at every campus, we're going to have leaders at the front. We're going to have one more worship song. And if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. You know, I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit, though. I, I know your eyes are still closed. Before you, 
Before we go to that, though, if the Lord spoke to you today about tithing and you've struggled in this area, would you just make a commitment? And here's the commitment I'd like for you to make because we're all humans. So we never make a commitment to be perfect. But would you just say, Lord, by your grace, I'm gonna do my best in this area going forward. Would you just tell him that? That's, that's a promise you can keep. By your grace, I'll do my best in this area going forward.